Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's always at work in our mess. So if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and I am just grateful to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a fresh perspective into your speakers and your earbuds every other Tuesday. Y'all, we are partnered with the women of my church, Life Church, where we're also big-time fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our back pockets for free wherever we go. And one of our greatest joys is locking arms with women from all over the world, from all over the Capital C Church, who are just willing to share a piece of their life. Well, I think we can probably agree that work is an essential part of life whether you're managing an office or managing all the people and schedules under your own roof, whether you're raising kids or raising the corporate standard or doing a little of both. It's not as much about making an income as it is about making a life. And even back in Genesis 2, even before the fall, God put Adam and Eve in the garden to work it and keep it, to create and maintain. And then of course, he also had plenty to say about rest and Sabbath. But here, at this time in history, especially in modern America, but I know it's a struggle all over, it's tempting to overwork and overachieve and just overdo it. And it's tough to put up those artificial restraints when it seems like everyone else is working hard to get ahead. But there is a better way. And remembering who's really in charge here and stopping for rest and for worship, it's no small thing. So here to share some pieces from her personal journey and how those pieces somehow fit together like a puzzle is my good friend, Ashley Kleinsmith. Ashley is a wife, girl mom, business professional, go-getter, and a lifelong learner who I've watched take on the task of trusting God while shifting those priorities and living out what it's like for an overachiever to rest. As always, there is so much we can learn from each other. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Ashley. All right. Well, Ashley, my friend, welcome to The Messy Table. Thanks, Jen. What an honor to spend this time with you. We're doing it. I'm so excited. Uh, So we met in college, actually through our husbands, and your husband introduced me to my husband. Do you know this? Yes. Yes. I know this very well. (laughs) So we didn't actually start dating for a couple of years, but he still gets the credit for actually introducing us. And then there's a group of us, six families from college that we try to get together several times a year. We've gone on fishing trips and ski trips, Mm. and we always do New Year's together. So it's a pretty special group. Yes. We have a lot of fun. We have a lot of memories. We have a lot of children. We do. (laughs) Yes. We took the command to be fruitful and multiply really seriously. And there's a bunch of kiddos running around anytime we're together. So that's a little bit about us, how we're connected, but we want to hear more about you and just who you are, who you love, what you're all about. Okay. Well, I am married to Braun. And we've been married, it'll be 16 years in April. And when people say how long they've been married, I used to just kind of be like, that is a long time. (laughs) And we're at that place. Mm -hmm. We're we're there. You know, 20 years just seems like a blip. And I was there that spring 16 years ago. You were there. Yes. And we got to be in your, well, he was in your wedding. That's right. And um, you rode away on a motorcycle and your dress was flowing in the, in the wind. Isn't it so funny the things that when you're younger, like when we just went, I think, a mile down the street and parked at my grandparents and then got in the truck. But now I'm like, hey, motorcycles. I feel like they're so dangerous. I'm like, kids, don't do it. But that's how it goes. But it was it was a great exit. <laughs> Thank for you. For sure. It was. It was definitely a wow factor. 
And then I have two kids. I have Estelle, who's 11, and Isley, who's 8. And, you know, I'm thinking about the community that we are in. And one of one of the ideas in being together is as any time that our kids walk away from what we deem appropriate, it's kind of fun to see other kids from your family and the families that we spend time with kind of reeling back in mm-hmm. and say, this is who we are. And so um, they just love and appreciate that community. And then I have a dog named Pia. She's a quarantine designer pet, meaning she um, <laughs> is a couple of different types of dogs. And um, she was in foster care with my mom's best friend. And she's three and I'm her favorite human. Everyone will tell you. So yes, absolutely. Love her. And then as far as my story, I, my career, I started at Mary Kay 23 years ago. Yeah. I grew up in the pink bubble. Well, it'll be 23 years in June. And so You know, when I was little, I used to write Mary Kay the woman and we became pen pals. I started writing her when I was 10. And I was your mom did Mary Kay, right? Yes. My mom's been a consultant for 43 years. And so when we had to read an autobiography of someone in the fourth grade and I picked Mary Kay and um, she is just one of the most gracious, was one of the most gracious human beings. So I started writing her and in my high school youth group, we traveled to Tijuana to build a home for a family and we needed to raise money. And so I wrote Mary Kay, of course, because I always wrote Mary Kay. And my mom said, you know, she may not like respond. But I've since learned that she actually had a staff of 10 people that responded to her correspondence because she had so many people that wrote her. Mm -hmm. And so she did. And she sent me a check for $25 for my mission trip. That's precious. So it's framed. In my I love it. For sure. And you guys, she's like hardcore Mary Kay. Like you drive a pink car. You've been to like Rome and Hawaii and all these places. So, I mean, you're in it. It's a dream life for sure. You're the real deal. Thank you. And then one of my best friends got me um, a subscription to, uh, it's called Dwell. And it's verses that come in the mail to you in tattoo form and keychain and then also artwork. And so the verse for this month, what do you mean tattoo form? Like you can put like a temporary tattoo on you? Yes. Yes. It's like the ones that kids get at birthday parties. Okay. And so the verse this month is Psalm 1530 and it says light in a messenger's eyes brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. Mm. So I've been memorizing that and it's been interesting how often God will bring this up. And my kids even learned this in church this week, the importance of our words Mm -hmm. and, you know, just that it brings joy to the heart. Mm -hmm. Kind, kind, kind words. And so um, just trying to store that up. And that's kind of it in a nutshell for me Mm -hmm. in this season. Yeah. Now, I also want to, I guess, draw attention to the fact that you are very driven, highly motivated, high achiever. You thrive in kind of goal setting, like fast paced environments. So Obviously, yes. I don't feel like that's something you're probably going to say about yourself. Well, and we're so going to get into that it a little is part bit more. of the messy because I am uh, on the DISC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am a D. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm a DC. So that's a dominance. And the C stands for conscientious. And so the D part is the person that always wants to drive hard charging. Mm-hmm. Um, I can commit to things very easily. And then the conscientious is the usually the person that's going to find all of the errors, the typos and rule follower. Yeah. And so then um, on the Enneagram, a number mm-hmm. three, which is yep. a performer achiever. Yep. And thinking about the healthy side of a performer and achiever is we can get stuff done. Yeah. And then the unhealthy side is that we can get stuff done to the detriment of relationships and health. And so that's 
Mm-hmm. Um, something and I've learned a lot about myself. Myers-Briggs, what are you on Myers-Briggs? Well, so I, I had listened to a podcast and I wrote down ISTJ, I think, is the one that, is, that fits, you the best. fits me. And so people with a logistician personality type enjoy taking responsibility for their actions, take pride in the work they do yeah. when working towards their goal, um, hold back no energy or time in making it happen. Uh, the tasks are done with accuracy and patience. Totally. Like you're super responsible. Step up. I'll do it. Like I'll take charge. I'm not scared. Yes. And I love it. Thank but you. But with that, and as this is the messy table, um, we do want to get kind of beneath the surface, beyond the superficial, because I know there is a lot you could share, but what's something specific for you that has been messy, but your perspective has shifted? So I was wounded by the church in junior high. And I, I start there because I think that's really important. It allowed for God to show up. And fast forward to college, I was the chaplain of my sorority house. Um, there was this office position open and I thought this would be so cool. I went to church with people that didn't have someone to go to church with. And we picked what we were going to study and we joined up with a fraternity house and um, they had a mentor that would teach us about the word. And I was also an art historian. That was my major. And one time a professor said in a class, we were talking about Eastern religion and about just kind of some mythology that, that goes with that. And I remember thinking, well, that's kind of wild. And she said, it's kind of like the idea of the virgin birth. And it just really hit me square in the forehead. Like, what is this? This is my parents' faith. Hmm. But there's something like the rug was pulled out from under me. Why is it that I believe what I do? Sure. And so I, I got question. up from class and I walked straight to my religion professor's office. His name was Dr. Cates. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I'm so confused and my my world was just turned upside down. I feel like a fraud. I am the chaplain of my sorority. I grew up in church and here this message that I heard today just really rocked me to the core because I believe in Jesus, but she really pointed something out that just kind of makes me doubt big time. And he was so wise. He said to me, when God has called you into a leadership position, especially you have to know that you know that you know that your faith is secure. And so here's what you do. You open your Bible and you read the word because God will show up. Mm -hmm. But if you stop doing those things, the enemy is going to convince you otherwise. Mm -hmm. And he also spoke this almost prophetic message. And he said, you will share this same experience with people in your life and years to come. Mm -hmm. And I've had conversations with people that are just doubting their relationship with the Lord. And so that was really foundational for me to go from that junior high experience where there was the wounding and learning that the church isn't perfect. Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get (laughs) all of these messages. But if you will stick to the word, he will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. I mean, I can totally relate to that. That was some of my experience in college, being confronted with some different things that made me question and doubt and really digging into the word to, you know, ask those hard questions. And I always think of Doubting Thomas and how he got such a bad rap because Jesus never called him Doubting Thomas. Instead, he continued to reveal more about himself. He showed him his hands and feet and the wound in his sides. And, you know, he was so gracious with him to answer his hard questions or at least to show up for those hard questions, even if we don't maybe fully have all the answers because, you know, we're not God. But I think that's super important in our faith. Right. I agree. So 
fast forward a few years later, I learned about the Enneagram and I'm learning about who I am as a three and kind of being, I'm just frustrated about this personality trait that is kind of ruling my life, basically, that my life is ruled by this idea that I'm achiever performer and I don't necessarily want to be that. And I have a friend who spoke into that with me one day. She said, you don't learn about who you are to change who you are. You learn about who you are to figure out how God has designed you and to live fully in that. And so it was such a gracious conversation and just that she pointed it out that way to me. And then I went to a therapist and she suggested that I read this book by Brene Brown. Um, It's titled, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. And so she's explaining it. I love the title, but she tells me that it's about shame. And I'm like, you have me pegged all wrong, lady. (laughs) I, I don't struggle with shame. I struggle with all these other things, but I don't struggle with shame. And to prove her wrong, I got the book and I read the first two pages and it took me eight days to just internalize what I was reading about vulnerability and shame and this cycle that we go through. And so the last few years have just been a learning experience about that process of personality and who we are. Mm -hmm. And so that was a book that I think was a great transition for me into adulthood with children. But taking it a step further, um, we lost my father-in-law about three years ago, and I was really struggling with grief mm-hmm. and to the point that my hair was falling out. Mm. And my husband grieved so well. He grieved before, during, and after. And so I found myself back in therapy. And my therapist had this really great tool that just spoke to my core and my being, and she loves Jesus. And that's what was really important. I said, I want to have this conversation with you, but I cannot separate the struggle from scripture. I need you to talk through that with me, not just give me ideas and thoughts that have nothing to do with scripture. Mm -hmm. And so she said, well, we all have a certain number of emotional units a day. So in my mind, I'm thinking like building blocks. And Mm -hmm. she said, "If let's say you have 10. And when you are grieving, you wake up minus five you already have lost five. So you're really operating on five units. And so if it's important to you to have some emotional units for your family, you have to decide and divvy up what number of units are going to work um, your work days, the day that you're away from your family. And so that was helpful. And I, I want to mention too, that the therapy, the advice the Enneagram, the DISC, the Myers-Briggs, none of that replaces what yeah. scripture has spoken to my heart. That's a good point. But they were just They're helpful tools, tools in tools a search help. to figure out what God's best was for me. Yeah. So this emotional unit conversation was so helpful, and it came up later because about two years ago, my oldest started having migraines. Mm -hmm. And she had had seizures when she was younger. And, you know, hindsight is so helpful because it was really difficult to be in the middle of a health struggle for a child. Mm -hmm. If anyone's ever experienced that, I mean, sometimes even the flu is really difficult when it's your child suffering and struggling. But she had had some serious health situations and we resolved the seizures. It was a febrile seizure situation disorder that she outgrew by the time she was five. 
But she had this one specific day where she stood up, her head hurt, and it never stopped hurting for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And so we tried everything. More than just occasional migraines. This was like... It was nonstop. Very intense. We couldn't get it to stop. And Mm -hmm. so in the midst of this, I'm taking my 10 emotional units and deciding... I want four left over for my family every day, some in the morning, some in the evening. So I only have six to work with. Okay, so I'm this achiever performer that's operated on about 20 units a day. Right. (laughs) So at the end of the week, I have a deficit of 100. Yes. And I'm having to really catch up with my self-care and sleep and whatever on the weekends. And so I've made this change. And it was just such great timing that God put all of these messages in, in place. So... I only have six units for my workday, and it was a huge transition. It was like slashing my workload by 75%. Mm-hmm. So you were suddenly forced to be really realistic about what you have to give. Correct. And I, I'd already started the process, mm-hmm. and I actually had mentioned to my life group in the midst of this, I have a women's life group, and we do these awesome Bible studies. And I said, I feel like I'm free falling or like I'm learning how to walk again. And it's so uncomfortable. Um, but I don't want the past. I don't want what I had before. I want what God's best is for me. Mm-hmm. And so here we are in this free fall. And then we start to have this migraine situation. So we've gone to the pediatrician, the dentist, the eye doctor, the, the ear, nose, throat, sure. kinesiology therapist. And um, I'm driving along one day and I'm praying about it. And the Holy Spirit says to me, you have created this situation. And it was humbling But I knew exactly what he was talking about Mm -hmm. because just two weeks prior, our couple's life group, and I just have to mention right here, a plug for life groups. If you are not in community, find community because it will change your life. Mm -hmm. They'll point you to Jesus over and over. So our couple's life group, we had done a study by Andy Stanley called Parenting in the 21st Century. And he talked about pace and how when we have young children, especially, our pace has to slow down. But some point in our life, we're going to need them to slow down for us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's what we do. And I thought to myself, I've never slowed down for my kids. I've never taken a second to go, I'll match your pace. Mm-hmm. I just expected them to keep up with yeah, me. Like you entered my world. Let's go. <laughs> just keep coming, keep coming. And, and I use the word hurry, you know, hurry, come on, come on, come on. So much. And also within that season, we had done some foster care training and I learned that children of trauma who've grown up in traumatic situations. And my childhood was messy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes children that have grown up in trauma can get stuck. The emergency response switch can be stuck in the on position. Mm -hmm. So that's fight or flight mode. Yeah. Like survival. Survival mode. And I was in that. And so that conversation with the Holy Spirit in my car that day was, you are in fight or flight mode. And so then it was about, how do I get out of it? Because she is experiencing fight or flight because of my pace and because she's just mimicking the way that I live. And so I wasn't living in a way that honored God or in a way that even said that I believed that he had this, he's got it. And so it just started a a journey of something different. So the pace slowed, the emotional units changed, and we went to uh, the dentist one day in our search. 
And this is what's so crazy is because we've searched and we've searched and we've searched. And I actually had sold some chairs to a stranger on Facebook. And the only time we could make it work, she met me outside the dentist. And she said, how was the dentist appointment? And I said, well, we're trying to figure out her migraines. And this new friend of mine that I had just met in person said, can I pray for your daughter? Hmm. And she called on heaven Hmm. to come down and to heal her in such a way that I felt like the ground shook and my car shook (laughs) and the Holy spirit was there. It was heavy and it was thick. And I believed that he was going to heal her. And I believe that we were doing everything as her parents and as Christ followers that we could to obediently walk through this season. Mm -hmm. So the dentist basically said we, she should probably go see the orthodontist because I don't know what's happening. But at that point, we learned that my mother-in-law and my husband clenched their teeth at night to the point where their teeth were breaking off. And perhaps this is the same thing for my daughter, for mm-hmm. Estelle. So we had got her a mouth guard, the kind that you get and dip in hot water and you put it in your mouth yeah, like, like you would molds. wear to a basketball mm-hmm. game. And so in the meantime, she's using that at night. We go to the orthodontist and he said, I've got a better option. I actually think this is what's causing her migraines. And so we put um, kind of an appliance in her mouth that she wore all the time and her migraines went away immediately. Wow. She was healed. And I'm just so grateful because um, to watch her struggle and and just really press in and pray and pray and pray and journal. She would journal about what she was praying about and how God was coming through. And um, to see him heal her was so cool. One of the highlights Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of that season. I love it. I think sometimes we like to separate like the physical and the spiritual. I think they're so interconnected. And so like when we pray for healing, often it's like, well, God created doctors and dentists and gave us wisdom. And yes, he can do supernatural things, but sometimes it's listening to that Holy Spirit guidance towards the next steps. And I also love that your new friend, that woman just stepped out in faith. And that's a word for all of us, right? Whenever we feel a prompting to go and pray for a stranger, we might feel ridiculous, but it might be you know, monumental in their journey. Yes, it was such a gracious, kind act. And something that's really neat is our kids were baptized recently at church, and Mm -hmm. she was there. This friend of mine happened to be there, so she got to witness my kids' baptism. And it's just community, going back to that, how important community is um, in your world. And your kids see it, too. They see these people that are speaking into their parents' lives and into their lives. And Mm-hmm. And it lining up with the word, what we're studying in our Bible studies. and mm-hmm. Well, one thing I really admire about you, I've always admired about you, is that you love to learn. You love to grow. You're always open to self-reflection and just making yourself better, which makes people around you better too, like me. So I know you have some fresh takeaways, and I'd love to hear just whatever lessons you can share kind of from this season. But you said it just a little bit ago that you were constantly telling your kids, hurry, hurry, let's go, let's go. I know we've talked about this personally, just you felt like you were always living in this frantic mode of like, I have to get somewhere, I have to be somewhere, not necessarily stopping to slow down for how your family had changed over the years of getting married and having kids, which happens to a lot of us where our seasons shift and we don't, we're not always realistic about the changes that need to happen. Well, and speaking into that, I think 
it was every season. It was the transition from middle school to high school and high school to college and college to young professional that I am adrenaline junkie. Yeah. And so it was kind of a, let's see what kind of goal we can set for today and let's see how see if I can we can it. crush it. And, and I you would, could. I, I could. And I would have people say, you get more done in a day than most people do in a week. And I took yeah. that on as a mantle. And one day, again, <laughs> the Holy Spirit says to me, that is not a compliment. Uh. Because yeah. it's just not a compliment. But in our world, I think it is a compliment to be overworked and to overachieve and to get things done that no one else can get done. I mean, I think society views that as, oh, man, that's amazing. And so it's a struggle to set a whole nother different standard. Well, and to change your title of what significance is, because yes. especially for my personality type, the significance is the title, it's the achievement, it's the line that you cross, it's the next trinket that comes with, as you mentioned, you know, the trip, the um, the color of the car, and well, all of those things are, um, I'm just so grateful for them. I had sure. to decide that they don't define me. Yeah. And, you know, our, even our pastor had spoken about this, but about the same time he was mentioning it, there were some other leadership mentors in my life that had talked about adrenals being maxed out and how you can't, you have to take care of yourself. You just yeah. have to. And so also in this season, I just instituted more rest, more sleep, um, meaning like I set my alarm for later purposefully, purposefully and purposely say no to any invitation on a Sunday. And were you good about honoring the Sabbath before or not? Well, really? it was kind of, we, we rest, but if there was something that I wanted to do, we did it on Sunday. So mm -hmm. if it was a project or if it was yeah. um, lunch with a certain friend or, and so it was kind of like an overflow day or a catch all day. And yeah. so then Monday would come and the exhaustion was still there and then it affects your health. Sure. And so talking about just some of the takeaways and really another tool I, I attended the leadership summit, mm -hmm. the global leadership summit yeah. at Life Church. And one of the speakers was Julianne Funt. And one of her fun accolades is that her dad did Candid Camera. So we kind of all grew up mm -hmm. watching Candid Camera and mm -hmm. he was the, the designer of that. But she has a book called A Minute to Think. And the first time I ever heard about margin was actually at church. Craig talked about margin, like on the margin of your pages of paper. And, yeah. and I've always had space between things, but I've never had, at that point, <laughs> had never had margin. And <laughs> space between things, like I gave myself two minutes between Correct. And if it goes over, it's all going down. <laughs> the whole thing's tumbling. And so she talked about this idea of white space and the wedge, and it was just a recycled, for me, it was a redefinition of margin. And it was just hearing it again. I needed to hear it again. I need to hear it again. I feel like my husband and I are constantly saying it always takes longer than you think, no matter what it is to drive right. somewhere, an appointment, a project, picking up the house, painting a room, like whatever it is, it always takes longer than you think. And then you feel again, rushed and frantic. And that's not how I want to live. Well, and my husband and I have had the same conversation. I think everything's going to take 10 minutes yes. and it never does. Never. And so then there's that adrenaline rush that comes in. And I've decided with my new emotional units in place that I can do one thing really well in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. So I can have three things mm. um, in a day. And so if my kids have a tournament in the evening, I'm going to work 
hard in the morning or the afternoon, but not both because mm. I want to be present. That's your thing in for the them. evening. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like we said, it always takes longer. So if I do the morning thing, it might run all the way until I pick them up from school. Right. And I had something really cool happen about a year ago. I got a postcard in the mail from Normal, Illinois. That was the return address. And it was a man's return, man's name on the return address, but it was a sweet lady scrawl for my address, like a sweet older lady maybe that okay. had written my the address. And on the back of the postcard, it said dot, dot, dot. So the potter formed it into another pot. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, it was just a gift from God that I get this piece in the mail. I wrote her back. And I said, how did you know in this season of my life that I I don't even know you? And the letter was returned. And so I believe that was how wild someone that God used to say, I'm here, kind of like the friend that prayed for my daughter. And it was so perfectly perfect because it was in that season where my free fall had finally kind of stopped Mm -hmm. and the new normal of life of God really being the one that that had the authority over the day versus me saying, this is what I did today, God, will you just go ahead and bless it? It was tell me exactly who and where and what needs to be the priority today, Mm -hmm. Lord, and I will do that thing. And so I felt like my life was a new creation. I love that. And sticking with the potter theme, just the reminder that he is the potter, we are the clay, and he can reshape us constantly. Right. And I immediately looked up that verse about Mm -hmm. the potter and the clay, and it's framed in my office right by my desk. So Mm -hmm. I see it every day when I go in to work. I want to go back to what you were talking about earlier about that identity piece and how it can be tangled up in what we do, right? But we're not human doings, we're human beings. I know that's a cliche phrase that we hear, but it really is true. And so for you, has it been hard to separate those things? Yes. And I also think I made mention of just childhood trauma, divorce, um, being raised by sinners who are beautiful, wonderful, amazing people, but um, Mm -hmm. healing and forgiving and addressing and repairing the the situations in my past, or even just saying, hey, you may not have known, but when you said this or when you did this, it really hurt me deeply. And I'm still carrying it. 30 years later, mm. um, I just need you to say, I'm sorry, <laughs> or address mm-hmm. it or mm-hmm. say it or whatever. And so getting healing first, very, very important, understanding what my role is in that and being willing to be completely vulnerable yeah. with people. And then being able to, to find my worth in who God says I am, what the Bible says that he knew me before I was born and he knew what he was doing when he created me. And mm-hmm. so taking that and saying to myself, it's not what I do today. I, I don't have to do anything else to right. win the approval of my creator, of my parents, of my husband, of my kids. I am worthy just as I am. And yeah. everything else is icing on the cake. It overflows from that based on your identity in him. Yes. Because God's not telling us to do nothing, you know, to Correct. just don't roll be lazy. over and stay on the couch all day. Right. But what happens is there's more joy in the doing. Okay. Because before the doing was about a benchmark yeah. for me or crossing a finish line. And there's a lot of reward in that. Sure. But it was an empty version of what I get from knowing that I'm a child of God yeah. and that my worth is in who God says I am. 
now that you have, I don't want to say lowered the bar because I don't think that's the word. Now that you have changed the standard, do you ever feel a sense of failure that you're not maybe hitting benchmarks or measurements or goals that you used to be able to reach? Or is your perspective just so different that you really don't? I have to have a daily conversation with God and say, I surrender this again. And probably social media is my biggest enemy in that mm-hmm. um, it's a great tool yes. to share what's going on in, in our worlds. But I can look at that and think, but she's doing this and I'm not, or but he's getting this and I'm not. And so being able to celebrate when other people are doing some of those things, yeah. but redefining but what was important today. What was important today is that I was well-rested enough and fully present enough to watch my kid mm. play basketball. Yeah. And it's a season. It doesn't last forever. And I had a very successful achiever-performer season too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the transition is okay. But yes, every day I have to go, Lord, I'm feeling less than here. Or I'm grieving the fact that I'm not crossing this finish line. Mm. But I know that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. Can you remind me again that yeah. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and give me a piece about it? And the peace that passes all understanding is there in the midst of that. And so for me, it really also goes to, I don't look at social media um, on a daily basis. Yeah. And I You're seek setting boundaries. Out, yes, different boundaries. I seek out the people that I want to go follow so that I can encourage and cheer them on. Yeah. But um I'm not scrolling through it because I never feel better when yeah. I'm done. I always feel like I've compared. And so I have to be very intentional well, with that tool. Yeah. Social media in general, I feel like we have to have boundaries. We have to. When we can, I mean, you can compare your marriage. You can compare your motherhood. Um, or you can just waste time, you right, know, because it's right. entertaining. And so there's all kinds of different well, layers. Even, even when I'm not looking on a screen, but maybe I'm picking up my kids from school and I see the mom that is a stay-at-home mom and she's getting ready to take her kids to the park, but I'm not doing that today. I'm getting ready for an event. So my kids have to go and do their chores. You know, just that God remind me. And it comes with pre-deciding, which we've Mm. been talking about that in church. Yeah. Pre-deciding why this is important because everything else is easier to do because it supports the why. Yeah. Supports the goal. I'm curious, how does grace impact this whole situation? Because obviously, even with some new boundaries and new standards and a new perspective, like I know you and you're still going to get in your head, well, this is what I want it to be like. And so like, how often do you have to lean into grace? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Often, often. And I, it's redefining because if I don't have the target, I always feel like I fail to hit it. I always feel like I come up short. But in this season, it's investing in my marriage in ways that I've not before. It's investing in a smaller number of friendships more often. That's good. It's spending time with my children in the first part of the day. It's such a special, precious time. And we Mm -hmm. sit on the couch. for. They get up early enough. I get them up early enough that we can sit there and visit about our day so that if nothing else in the day goes the way that we wanted it to, or if things run over, I've poured in. I've made that time and investment. And so when I see the mom that's taking her kids to the park, I can say, but I did that. It's deciding and in that advance. And mama didn't do everything, I promise you. Right, exactly. And, and it's still a highlight reel. <laughs> we have to remember that. It's always a highlight reel. And so it's reconfiguring what the goal is for me. And it has that's to be good. very clear. It has to be very clear. And I had someone ask me that the other day. And it was within the context of my professional world. You know, yeah. what's your goal? And I just said, this week it's mental health. And like that's that. not a tangible goal, but I needed to get some sleep. 
we had a very um, emotionally taxing week with some family illness and things. And so that's what it was. (laughs) Yeah. And I hope that that gives the people that are in my sphere of influence, it gives them hope because I think too, sometimes for someone who's a performer, um, sometimes that feels unreachable. You know, you can do it, but I could never, because I'm number one, I'm not willing, or I can just never do what you do. Mm -hmm. And so then it's the opposite of encouraging. It's more like, well, that's your thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not my thing. And I just think it makes me more real to the people who have hitched their wagon to my star and said, you know, I want to be the kind of mom that you are. I want to be the kind of spouse, or I want to be the kind of businesswoman that you are, but you really do get to have it all because you've decided in advance what's most important in what order. Mm-hmm. That's good. Really good. Thanks. Another takeaway, and this came all the way from Dr. Kate's example for me when he said, stay in the word. God will make himself present. He'll make himself real to you. There are so many days that I'll be in my Bible. I have no idea why I'm in that plan or in that verse or in that chapter. And then it's apparent 30 minutes later, three hours later, that God was speaking into my day. Mm. And so a verse that came up in the last year or so is in Zechariah 4.10. And it says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, Mm. to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Now, this was talking about something else entirely, not my life. It was talking about a building. Yes. But do not despise these small beginnings is something that runs around in my head all the time because Mm -hmm. it was a series of small beginnings for us, for me. And it was like learning how to be a mom all over again, learning how to be a businesswoman all over again, learning how to be a friend all over again, because I had to really take down all of the chairs. There's a Bible study that Shauna Nequist Mm -hmm. does with her present over perfect book Mm -hmm. and this picture has been a word picture in my mind but there's a man and he's got there the white chairs that you would have at a wedding reception Mm -hmm. and there are chairs set up in this room in classroom style and he's taking them down and she talks about how we are responsible for how how many chairs are out on the floor we did that we put that there and i i've said this before the pandemic for us although it was scary and we didn't know what to expect and we were trusting God to take care of us, it was such a gift because it allowed for us to have a completely clean slate. I took down every chair. Mm. I examined each and every one before we put it back out on the floor. Is this something that we're going to spend time on in this season? Mm. But also with the hope that if we put this away for right now, we can always come back later. Yeah, We can always add it in later. Totally. And so it was It was putting some friendships on the back burner. And it's okay because maybe we're in a different season or she's busy with kids too. Or, Doesn't mean you don't care about each other. Right. But yeah. Right. And, and I found that people really understood. Mm-hmm. And so that was just um, do not despise the small beginnings. It was such a small beginning for us. And then in Isaiah 43, 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. He was doing such a new thing and it felt like a wasteland because I was so entrenched in this identity of who I needed to be. And my relationships were, um, 
I wouldn't say suffering. It just wasn't the richness that I knew was available or that God had in store. He just kept nudging me and saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. I have more for you. And it's what you have right now is a wasteland compared Mm -hmm. to the way that I'm making for you. Mm -hmm. And so I used to have this written on my mirror in my bathroom. I couldn't even see my face. It was just the verse. And somebody wiped it off one day. Because it was such a mess. But that verse has been so special to me. So what is it that draws out that emotion? Is it thinking about that wasteland or is it thinking about the newness oh, and the fresh start? His grace. It's the newness and just that I could never have imagined that anything could have been better than my way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was my way. Again, here, throwing it up, God, I'll let you bless it. I'd love to have you bless it. Mm-hmm. And he was so gracious to, um, to, to bless that. it, to yeah. bless that, bless what I was doing. But it's just so much better mm-hmm. on the other side where um, mm-hmm. he's directing my path. It was more chaotic for you, more frantic. It was more frantic. And to be honest, I liked the franticness, but it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. It, it wasn't beyond the 20 years that I stayed in that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that pace or that place. It wasn't sustainable long-term. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to get to a place where I looked back and saw the unopened gifts of the blessings that God had for my life and said, well, I've missed that one because I just had my blinders on and I was running full speed through the finish line mm-hmm. somewhere else. Oh, man. Well, I think, you know, both of us with our kids' stages of life, so much is shifting and so much is changing. And, you know, we don't have little ones anymore. It's like they're mm-hmm. in that kind of middle stage and you do suddenly, not that we can ever be present for every single moment. That's, you know, a mythological unicorn as well, but I don't want to miss my children growing up. And I know that you've said that to me before too. And so that was definitely a driving factor Mm -hmm. in going, okay, Lord, how can I pull back and really be present for the moments and the gifts that you've given me today? Because that's what we have. Right. Right. And one gift of, I did get COVID um, in November 2020. Um, I could not multitask mm-hmm. after I got well. Um, I got my smell back, but I couldn't multitask. And it was so frustrating. And it was such a gift mm. because I can do either <laughs> or I cannot send a text message and have a conversation with my kid, which I probably couldn't do that prior to, but I really cannot do two things at once anymore. And so it was just kind of one of those you get to choose. That's and in so this funny. moment, we're going to do this right now. I love it. You said it is so frustrating and such a gift because don't we often feel that way with things that God Thorn teaches us <laughs> to where we're like, oh, it hurt, but it was good. Yes. Uh, it takes humility too. I think all these things that you're talking about, you know, coming open-handed before God and surrendering and having humility to say, I like my way, but I want your way more. Yes. And actually finally meaning it because I'd said it a lot in my life. And you're not going to do it perfectly even from now on, you know, right? from where we are right here out. None of us are going to, but I think that's where we have his grace and we have his mercy. And it really is just such a tender mercy that he grants us anything good, but he does and he, he loves to do so. I want his voice to be the loudest every day. And sometimes it is a sweet nudge in the car where all I hear is his voice. And sometimes it's a scream and sometimes it's a whisper Mm -hmm. in the pages of my Bible or a postcard in the mail from a stranger that maybe doesn't even live there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to fight for it. Right. Right. And that's what putting him first before my kids wake up looks like for me when they get up and I'm still doing my Bible study. They know we're not talking until I'm done with this because I have to hear from him first. That's good. It's really good. 
Okay, so I would love to know, I'm sure everyone would like to know what other resources have made a big impact on you that you want to share. Well, I didn't mention this during our our conversation, but I think John Maxwell is an incredible resource for leaders. He was Mm -hmm. a pastor, he loves the Lord, and he has so many great resources on leadership. Uh, One that I love, it's the five levels of leadership, and it just talks about the character qualities Mm -hmm. that you have as you're moving into roles. And we see that. I see that a lot in our church because they do such a great job of training people into the roles um, that they they desire to have. And then um, Craig's leadership podcast is awesome. He's actually had John Maxwell on. Um, and I've had Craig on the podcast. Yes. So. Yes. Just his leadership podcast. One thing I love about it is he is giving practical advice to everybody sprinkled with Jesus. And I know that it draws people in to want yeah. to know more. Mm-hmm. Um And of course, I have to mention Mary Kay's autobiography because it was such a blessing to me. And I've read it over and over. But if you choose to read it, if you just like to read about people, it's Mm -hmm. such a blessing because she was taking care of her father when she was five years old. He was sick um, and couldn't get out of bed. And uh, she was taking care of her father while her mom worked full time at a restaurant. And so at five years old, her mom would leave her money. She would go downtown on the train and get groceries and she would buy herself school clothes and she would come home and she would make make meals for her dad and take care of him. And I just think there's no way my five-year-old would be making potato right. soup. She would, I mean, yeah. I just, I can't fathom asking her to, but I know she couldn't have done it. Yeah. And so- um, Sometimes the things that we're forced into teach that us makes so us, Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes us who we are. And then um, I love Ian Cron's podcast mm-hmm. because he mm-hmm. has- uh, He loves the Enneagram. And Mm -hmm. so he interviews people of each number. And what's neat is it teaches me how to give grace to other people that aren't just like me. Yeah. And learning about their style and their temperament and their personality and why they might operate the way that they do. And I learned something very specific. I have a friend who's a five. And I learned that fives do not like attention drawn to them. Mm. And every time we're together, because she's kind of quiet, I fawn over her in front of people. I've done that for 20 years. And so I called her and I said, I'm so sorry that I do that to you because I just learned that you don't love it, but you've never told me that. And she said, I forgive you. (laughs) She's like, yep. Mm -hmm. Truth. So that's been helpful. And then I have appreciated the things that Brene Brown writes about vulnerability and shame and in a, in a relatable way where I really want to um, be her friend Hmm. because she makes it. Like you have a seat at the table here, yeah. no matter how broken or, or messed up you are and you're accepted. And then anything that Bob Goff does, <laughs> if you can get it where he reads it, like if you can get it on Audible because it's his voice <laughs> and he laughs at himself. And I think it's yeah. hilarious when somebody and he's a seven on the Enneagram. So um, just funny. But I feel like he is like the classic seven, he's, like golden retriever, just all seven. Exactly. I love it. Totally seven. And he can tell you a story about some horrific, awful thing happening and he'll still laugh. Um, And you go, you just kind of, you go through the emotional journey with him. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of my favorites right now. So good. I love it. Well, you've shared so much, ton of great stuff. Um, But if you could just leave us with one more thought, one final word of encouragement, what would it be? 
it would be that if you have never been to see a therapist, mm. I think that every person should get to have that opportunity and that gift because it's different than having a conversation with a girlfriend or a spouse or um, even a trusted mentor. It's a different skill set. Yeah. And, and I do know it's important to you for it to be a Christian counselor, Christian therapist. It is It is very important. And I've experienced both. And I'm not saying the other wouldn't be great. Like you said, there's some great tools that we can learn that sure. are just, that just make sense. But there's something about when your counselor says, I'm getting an impression from the Holy Spirit that you need to hear this right now. I mean, it's just the coolest thing ever because not only do they have your health, your mental health in mind, but they also are really listening to the Holy Spirit. Mm. And then find a church community. And I think when I talk to people and they say that they're not going to church right now, there are two main reasons. One is they stopped during the pandemic yeah. and they've just not gone back and they've gotten out of habit. And two is it's a place of broken people. And that is exactly what the church is. Yeah. But get there, get in there and just get with those imperfect people and join a community of people, whether it's a life group or a community group or whatever, whatever you call it. And it doesn't um, have to be fancy. Yeah, it doesn't have to be fancy. It's for us, it's usually breakfast for dinner mm. on a Sunday night. Mm -hmm. And we answer three questions about our week and we show up at kids' birthday parties and baptisms and when someone needs a coffee. Yeah. delivered at work. It's just very simple doing life together, but you choose to stick with it. You choose to stay in it. You choose to walk through life together mm -hmm. with those people. It's so good. I want to say one more thing to the overachiever. You are worthy. God created you the way that you are, and you're such a gift to the people who get to interact with you and to the people that their lives that you'll impact in the future. And you're going to make some decisions this week. And I know when it comes to relationships, if you're feeling a pull or if you're feeling guilty, you're going to make the right decision. And God will bless the work in the process. So good. Ashley, thank you for coming on and for just sharing some of your insight. I love you. I love you too. And I'm just so honored. Thank you. So one of the big things I'm personally taking away from this conversation is how Ashley said, it's a daily conversation with God saying, I surrender again. And I pray that's the posture of my heart, of your heart, to show up again and surrender again and expect Him to just constantly be doing a new thing again. His resources are limitless and His character is unwavering. So as always, every resource mentioned is linked in the conversation notes. Also, we'd love for you to say hey or tell us your thoughts on this topic. You can find us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. And they say it makes a massive difference in visibility when you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I recently talked to a woman who found The Messy Table because of those reviews and went on to binge listen every single episode, which is amazing, by the way. So if you've already left a review and told us a bit of your story, thank you, thank you, thank you. You can also text these episodes to friends or share them on social media. It truly means so much. And last, since kicking off 2022, we had an awesome episode with Rachel Cruz talking about stewarding our lives and our money. And last week's episode with Allison Brown and Kelsey Cole was so tender. Two best friends who both lost their babies right before delivery within two weeks of each other. It's an absolutely heart-wrenching story, but as they say, still a tragic honor to share their children's stories and share how they've been able to walk through that grief. So powerful conversations that broaden my perspective and broadening my view on God's grace. So thank you again for joining us. And as you head back into your day and week, 
Don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.